really terms of phrases. Like, um, John is something that is said. It's a noun. It's a person, place, or thing. So this, for example, is a John. The, these papers are a John. This table is a John. This place is a John. I mean, it means anything. It's a noun. So <laughs> literally everything is a John. Oh. A, a John? A John, yeah. Spell it. J-W-N. John. Okay, John. A John. All right. Yes. Very good. We're learning lots of stuff. Uh, so I would be able to say, that's a lovely John you're wearing. You would. Okay. Bam, and you I'm could also say, of me, you could say, who's that John in the John? Oh. <laughs> we, we won, won that, that John. fucking John. You always wants to say fucking. I always say fucking. We won that fucking John. We did win that fucking John. Oh, my gosh. So... I'll do really quick the intros. Uh, Interracial John podcast. You can find us on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Just search Interracial John, J-W-N, or go to our website, interracialjohn.com. You can also find us on all the social media platforms at Interracial John. You can leave us feedback a bunch of different ways. You can leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can email us, interracialjohn at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail, 657-JOHN or 657-J-W-N-E-R-S. Great. Look, and I'll just start. I know it's passe to be rooting for football and it's better to be like, you know, boycott or whatever. But look, fucking Eagles, yo, fucking so, Eagles. So our last episode was actually called Fly Eagles Fly. We taped it right before Sunday. we taped it on Super Bowl Sunday. We both expressed um, not just a hope, but a like a true like we think we, we think we got this. I put, we think we're going to do this. I had money on it. No one would take my money all, with all my friends. I put a hundred bucks. Anybody, I got the Eagles. I'll give you the, you know, we get the four points. I'll even go flat, just straight win or loss. And Anyways, obviously, everything worked out in our favor. And Yo. it was amazing. The game was amazing. The team played so well. Great coaching, great clock management. Tom Brady cried. Oh, it so was, beautiful. it was literally just, they the, sacked him. The, the, the Nick Foles caught a goddamn touchdown in the end zone, play, the no, Philly special. Just, that, I don't, that play literally, we got to talk about it for just a second because I don't know if everyone knows. It's one of the, it's probably, well, hold on, on before we do all of that, I, I just want to play a little something for us. Can you find his, him doing that play? I forget which moment that would be, which minute. To the five, the 10, 15, on his feet at the 20. And pushed out of bounds at about the 27-yard line. This is a 25-yard field goal attempt for Jake Elliott. You can listen to the whole thing? All is spot. You don't know Jeffrey for a touchdown. All right, this is Alex. Oh, what a great catch. I want to hear the Nick Foles play. A little play this is Meryl Reese, the Eagles play by play. Voice of the Eagles, yeah. For 30 years now. Yeah. He's such a nice man, too. IRL. And he takes the football away. He was about nine and a half yards deep. He's what so excited. Catch. You should see them. I watched parts of it. Alright, so I'm gonna go forward a little bit. Goskowski line drives it, and it was off the goalpost. No good. <laughs> the pass to five. The train is in the end zone. <laughs> Twenty-one yards. Oh my god, he's so excited. Unbelievable blocking, and he holds to the end zone. People don't realize. How quick his feet are. Let's he looks this. like a big lumbering power back. That was Legarrett. goes directly to Clement. Clement reverses it. And the pass goes into the That's end zone. To Nick Foles. And it's a touchdown by Nick Foles. <laughs> yes. Of course the end of the game. We're going to have a complete. And the game is over. The game is over. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere. This is for you. Oh. Let the celebration begin. 
I had to get Meryl on here just because it was so great to they they had a super cut. I'll have the the um link in the show notes of him calling every um every score of the game and, and any big play as well. Um, yeah, but that that play specifically that I said I wanted to find, which was so beautiful because there was a juxtaposition with Brady. Like they had a play where they had a, a similar you know like a trick play where they had a a reverse and then a throw to Brady. Uh, so Brady's normally a quarterback. He hands it off, runs out, and tries to catch a. a a reception and he missed it kind of like doop, off the fingers of his hands and the play with Nick Foles was a little bit more trickery they had a direct snap like a wildcat snap to one of the running backs who went one way and then reversed to the other guy who threw to Nick Foles in the end zone mm-hmm. and but the the juxtaposition of Foles catching this trick play for a touchdown and Brady dropping it for a I think it was like a, a third or fourth down conversion it was like a really important play right that the uh Patriots could have at that point done I think they ended up getting a field goal instead of like extending the drive kind of deal but but the play, and you and I talked on Sunday last week that Patriots cheat. The second half comeback is always because they steal defensive play calls. They just, like, they cheat. We know that they cheat. That's like a, a, a foregone conclusion. They've been caught cheating twice, like mm-hmm. they're cheaters, right? Yep. When we have LeGarrette Blunt, who's on their team last year, so I'm thinking, like, hey, and we also have, I think Chris Long was on their team. Yeah, Chris we, Long. We got yeah. a couple of people, like, we know we got someone on the offense and the defense, like, they're going to tell us what's. What's the news? Like what the deal is. What's the lowdown? So here's the lowdown. This play was called Philly Special. It was from a a assistant that had a bag of trick plays. It was ran by the Bears uh, a full year ago, January 2017. They hadn't done much of it. They only started practicing it the last three weeks in in seclusion and in the the two weeks or the uh, before the actual Super Bowl. The week before the Super Bowl. The week before the – they practice it in closed doors in the hotel ballroom. Yeah. What does that fucking tell you? Yeah. What does that fucking tell you? And how good that play worked. They had no clue. The whole line bit. The the whole line bit. The whole line bit. They were not prepared for it at all. He was wide open. He was wide open. It was beautiful. They didn't even have, they were so clueless about the play when Nick Foles lined up slightly off center. They didn't even put a, uh, like a person trailing, like a spy on Nick Foles. He he was so wide open. He like walked in the end zone. Yeah. So there was some other news that came out of the Super Bowl. A few things, some Eagles related, some funny, some not. But one was that uh, Super Bowl anti-terrorism documents were left on a plane. Yeah. Way to go, guys. Good job. Department of Homeland Security documents critiquing their response to a simulated anthrax attack on Super Bowl Sunday were marked for official use only and important for national security. Recipients of the draft after action reports were told to keep them locked up after business hours and to shred them prior to discarding. They were admonished not to share their contents with anyone who lacked an operational need to know. But security surrounding the tw- and, December. And where was it found? I'll tell you. Oh, okay. They suffered an embarrassing breach. A senior employee discovered copies of them, along with other sensitive Department of Homeland Security material, in the back seat pocket of a commercial airplane. Nice. So like the, you get the, how to, how to open the window in emergency. Yep. You get the in-flight, like buy our junk magazine, whatever it's called, like air flight. The reports were accompanied nice. by the travel itinerary and boarding pass of the government <laughs> scientists in charge of BioWatch, wow. the DHS program that conducted the anthrax drills in preparation for the Super Bowl in Minneapolis. The reports were based on exercises designed to evaluate the ability of public health, law enforcement, emergency management officials to engage in a coordinated response if a biological attack was carried out. Um, and you know that report like identifies like them on the plane. Like the, the report specifically would identify like where there's the least amount of protection, right? Like yeah. here's where the operational risk at, is most. And this was found before the um before the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So CNN decided to withhold it until after because they they didn't want to jeopardize oh, security for the event. Shut so, the F. so somebody could have found this and actually used this information to to, ca- to carry Damn. out an attack. Look at CNN doing 
That's interesting. Wow. So I thought that was interesting. One of the other funny things that happened during the Super Bowl is Kevin Hart, uh, you know, <laughs> hometown Philadelphian and huge Eagles fan, uh, was at the game with his wife and his brothers and got really, really, really drunk. Um, we saw when we were watching the show, he was trying to get onto on the, the stage. Yeah. No, no, no. They let people on the field. Oh, he was the, trying to get onto NBC, the stage, like yeah. as they were passing the, um, Lombardi trophy and everything, like he was on the team. So there was a few videos that surfaced from this. Let's play one of them. Let's see this one. Aw, oh, man. Fucking. 2.5 billion gigs. It's always commercials. Fucking commercials. They're the worst. They got to get their two and a half cents. But it's so dumb. But, you know, a million people times They don't two even and let cents. you mute it. That's the really uh, yeah, terrible the, part. Is it CNN? No. They're the worst. Here it goes. Lost the ball. I'll say this. We're very lucky to have this guy a part of this team. I've been drinking him. <laughs> He's so drunk. I'm on cloud nine. Celebration now. Oh, I'm, I started the celebration early. Yeah, you did. Oh my God, he can't even talk. <laughs> Dion's kicking him out. He's on the set. Oh my god, he's like on the post game show. Oh my god, I didn't know it was this bad. That's pretty bad. I hope this is an example of what we can do. We gave a fuck. He dropped it and walked away. F bomb and deuce out. See ya. Oh my gosh, it was so funny. He made fun of himself also. He totally um put uh I, I he posted on Instagram, he posted um up the picture of when the guy told him like no, you can't go up there and he was like, I need to find this guy. He really saved me because even the videos that are out there are bad. It would have been so much worse if I had gotten on that stage. I want to send him a gift. Thank you so much. She like that kind of thing, but it was really funny. So uh, I know we talked about it last week that Phillies, uh, after the NFC Championship, they had like, you know, people climbing poles and they do all this sort of stuff and they even greased the poles like hydraulic fluid. So uh, again, on the Super Bowl things in Philly, this was a series of police scanner uh, things that were heard. Is that me or you? That's, That's you. me. Sorry. Uh, things heard on the police scanner. Uh, and I'm not, I mean, it, it's kind of like Philly and of course, like when it's sports like this never gets called a riot never mm-hmm. gets called any sort of, All the, of that you know inflammatory language used mm-hmm. when say black people are uh protesting their death at the hands of state anyway uh here's things heard and you can read some too leslie uh thousands going down south broad from spring garden we need somebody abroad people are coming on the pole i got two thousand college students coming from walnut to 30th center street it's endless chief endless <laughs> Uh, about four stories above the Wawa, we got people out on the ledge. I can't tell how they came up. If they're not allowed to be there, can we get them down? They're coming out the window. <laughs> be advised, someone is flying a drone in the area of one first and fifth and market. A drone. Uh, they're lighting off fireworks at 15th. Large crowd at City Hall climbing the fence. Someone lit a, a Christmas tree on fire. <laughs> someone lit a Christmas tree on fire. Anyway, Eagles. They just flipped the car over here. If you get if you get medical response team over here, I'd greatly appreciate it. They're trying to tear multiple light posts down. Wow. <laughs> I don't have anyone Not to con- just one. counteract multiple, right yeah, now. Multiple. Yep. Hilarious. They're on the roof of the building now. <laughs> a man jumped off the light pole and landed on his head. Oh, dear. Yeah. Mm-mm. We have a light pole down. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't call any riots. They, they no, used language like jubilant. Stuff. 
fans. So this bitch just saw Bunchen. This is the last story I had related to the Super Bowl that irked me. And I forgot to mention, she was the one that said that thing she her husband yes. couldn't catch. The last time they lost the Super Bowl, she said, oh, my husband cannot catch, throw the ball and catch, catch the, the ball, ball too. too. Well, he didn't catch the ball. Well, he didn't so. catch the ball either this, bop, this bop, time. Bop, 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 bop. So what'd she say now? So, um, just this is in uh, USA Today. Just saw a bunch of Tom Brady's wife turned the New England's Patriots lost to the Eagles, uh, into a teaching moment for her children, two of whom were crying after the game. A teaching moment, okay. This is what she had to say. They haven't won in a million years, Bunchen said of the Eagles. And that's got to do what with what? At one point, her five year old daughter blurted out, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Replied Bunchen, just this time, daddy won five times. They never won before. Their whole life, they never won a Super Bowl. You have to let someone else win sometimes. You, oh my God. You have this to let bitch. someone else win sometimes? Like, that. this That's is the, the teaching moment? It's Fuck so out of here. gross. And it's so, like, the worst lesson to teach your child. It's so dripping in privilege. I was going to say, and it's so a, white. It's so terrible. That's the whitest fucking thing I've heard in the longest ass time. You have to let someone win sometimes. We've won five. They haven't won once. How terrible. about, how about the lesson is you don't win all the time? Mm supermodel and fucking 40 year old fucking ugh. and you know what through the game i really can't stand yeah. is and i don't want to use like inappropriate language but so they don't. just they just are on brady's just jock strap like yeah. fu- it just Consworth hates the eagles he hates yeah the he, was, know he, was, he, he was he was he was egregious eagles. this game no man it's like a minute two but one before the strip sack he's like we've seen this movie before tom brady in a minute no blah, just the blah. whole way he would be like his assumptive was that the that the that the um patriots were gonna, gonna win, win. Yep. and so yep. anytime the eagles did anything good he would make some like it would be like an underhanded Listen, like it, we're, oh. we're, we're up by five and he's literally like we've seen this before blah 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 we get the strip sack Right. And we go down and we kick a field goal. Now we're up by eight and it's like a minute and something left. And that is precisely how the Super Bowl ended last year with Atlanta. Brady and Patriots down by eight. They go down on the final minutes, score a touchdown and a two point conversion, go into overtime, win it in overtime. And Collinsworth says that. He's like, this is exactly like last year. I would never count Brady out. And, you know, it's a minute two. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I've always hated Collinsworth. Just for real. And he, every time, he he didn't this time, and I really like, somebody must have like said, like, you're not allowed to mention the snowballs and Santa Claus anymore. It's it's enough now. Yeah. Because it's not even true. So Yeah. Exactly. Like some like, urban Be a journalist, legend. you dick. You dumbass. Anyways, fuck Giselle Bunchen and fuck the Patriots and fuck Tom Brady. And yes, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And you know that like that Brady had hanging like down on his lap, like mm-hmm. tears kind of Cry face. Brady. Cry Brady. I fucking love it. I fucking love it, dude. That yeah. that image is worth that and the juxtaposition of him dropping the pass and Foles. That just, pass was the best. Let him drop it. it was, oh, 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 oh. And, and Foles, and not only did he miss it, like he it was like fingertip kind of miss. Mm. Foles this was this like in the bread basket, just right over the shoulder, Perfection. like Bunk! Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. The news is coming on. The news is coming on. So I, I found this tidbit and uh, I actually tagged uh, our friends Tranilla because it's from Toronto. And uh, you know, people always talk like Toronto and Canada's better and it's not racist and this and this and this. Mm. Uh, but this isn't racist. But Toronto police find six sets of remains on property linked to landscaper. Property links. Yeah. Toronto police have recovered the remains of at least six people on a property linked to accused serial killer Bruce MacArthur. Oh, Lord. Detective Sergeant Hank said on Thursday, at least some of the remains have been identified to belonging to Andrew Kinsman, who was last seen June 2017, and who's one of the five missing men MacArthur is charged with killing. Five? 
Yep. So the rest of these dudes is just in people's. Uh, you know, he's a serial killer, and oh they found gosh. parts of six people in potted plants oh, no. on, on like his property. Potted and, plants. Yeah, yeah, like lands, like big landscaping p- plants. And uh, they're asking people that have had him do landscaping work on their property to come forward. Oh my! Like gosh. they think they're going to find remains in like people's yo, houses and shit. Yo. And, yeah. Uh, and they're all. Uh, so he's uh, Kinsman, Selim Essen. My, oh, these sound like maybe people of color: Majid Cayenne, Dean Lissowick, uh, Sarush Mahmoudi. Uh, all maybe mid late forties, fifties. Probably lured them in some sort of way wow. and killed them. Wow. 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 Okay. Mm. Mm. Dang. Anyway, so if you've had uh, landscape work in Toronto, be on the be on the lookout. Be on the lookout, I guess. So you know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about that trash m- museum of the Bible. Yeah. So they were in the news again this week because um, they have been sharing an artifact of the day on Twitter. Okay. And one of the things that they shared this week was the slave Bible, as it was called in 1808. Um, which was a Bible that was centered around themes of obedience, submission, and acceptance, and omitted all references to and themes um, surrounding freedom. Wow. And this is what missionaries would give to slaves that had converted to to, um, Christianity. Um, Wow. And this is what they use. This is the slave Bible. The the parts of the Holy Bible selected for the use of the Negro slave. I, I, I had always known that, that Christianity specifically in that mm-hmm. era had been used to like, quote unquote, pacify uh, enslaved mm-hmm. individuals. Mm-hmm. I, it, and I, I, it, it shouldn't have surprised me that they wrote a fucking book for it. You know what I mean? Like I had known that religion was used in this way, but like, jeebies, there's a, a book. Well, it's funny. I was talking with Takia the other day, you know, we we'll get into these damn intellectual conversations about theology, but she, she has, uh, you know, quite a few versions of the Bible and she was talking about, you know, this one that has all of these books that have been, that are not in like the King James version and also the order that they're in in the King's Chamber version is not the like one that, that not the mm. order that it originally was in so there's a bunch of ways that you know there's lots of different versions of the bible for various reasons but the post went on to say that a portion of the book of exodus was inaccurate and omitted the part about slaves escaping from (laughs) egypt (laughs) of course you'd admit the exodus chapter why of course the enslaved leaving yeah no you you can't read that no, I no, just, no. Th- I, you know, fuck this museum because they're trash. Also wonder who they stole this from, but whatever. Um, but I, I just was thinking about not just how religion is used, um, but also how literature and language are used to oppress people mm. and how omission of information is used to oppress people as well. So. Yeah. Anyways, I'll, I'll have the obviously all of these show notes. We'll yeah, it's interesting how you can notes, you can leave things out, and that's almost as critical as as lying to somebody. Yes, you know? it, it it's true. Giving that literally very pertinent portions of the Bible. Yeah, and I say that sometimes people that like they'll quote the Bible. I'm like, which version? Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean which version? Like, which version? There's like twelve at least, mm-hmm. more like fifty or hundred. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. And then even people like they get kind of confused because I. I a spouse that I'm uh, religious in some way identify as a UU, right. but I'm also like identify as an atheist. Mm-hmm. And people are like, "What do you mean you're an atheist?" And like, I'm like, what kind of you know? What do you think of God? And like, if you don't believe in the Holy Trinity and the Jesus, like, yeah, I'm with you. I don't believe in that either. <laughs> we could, you know, like that's not a problem for me. Like, I don't, I don't mind talking to other atheists about not believing in a God. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't believe in a lot of the things that people think of 
as God and religion now anyway. So uh, my local, my, my old high school, New Trier, which uh, is in the one of the I think six or seven wealthiest zip codes in the country. It's a little suburb of Chicago and enclave that's super, super white. When I mean super, super white, like 0.4, you know, 4% black, right? Like not even like a full percent, like a half a percent black. Uh, and the school is huge. Uh, I graduated with like thousands of people, maybe like 3,000 students in my graduating class. It's like massive. But so they set a record uh, with 44 sets of twins, one set of triplets in uh, one graduating class. Mm. And if you look at this picture, yo, <laughs> they're all related. <laughs> it's like 44 like white cousins. I swear to God. Go to the photo lesson. I'm on it. I and they go it. to the photo gallery. It's like, honestly, like they all look a lot alike. A lot, a lot alike. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and I, I don't know, uh, it, you know, per se, and I don't know if the article specifically says, um, the number's noteworthy given the class has slightly more than a thousand students. So that's a lot. That's a real high number for a thousand. Mm-hmm. The Centers for Disease Control Prevention put the rate of twins at 33.5 per thousand births, uh, making New Year's sophomore class statistically impressive. Uh, even more so is the fact that some sophomore twins chose not to take part in the project and that other nutrient classes also boast twins. Uh, the campus principal, Denise Drake, said Wednesday, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, maybe it's, uh, fertility that's what i think i think it definitely to me it's the wealth and fertility treatment concentration there so it's not even impressive no it's just like you know what i mean because it's not an anomaly it's just even them especially them saying that all these other classes have twins and everything too of course it's completely related to the the um income and tax bracket of the zip code yeah, school. I'm just trying to read more, see if there's anything else. Mm. Mm. I just thought it was because it was your high school, so I thought you'd be interested yeah. to see that. It's interesting. Uh, Google is set to buy Chelsea Market for more than $2 billion. Really? Mm-hmm. One of New York's ultimate food halls will soon have a new owner, Google. Now, Google, uh, their headquarters in New York is already across the street, directly across the street from Chelsea Market. I remember that. So this is not surprising to me. Uh, the Real Deal reports today that the tech company is in contract to buy the $1.2 million square foot uh, sorry, the 1.2 million square foot Chelsea Market building for an amount somewhere above $2 billion, which would make it 2018's biggest real, real estate deal so far. The block-sized building played a pivotal role in New York's food history well before Chelsea Market materialized in the 90s. It was previously the National Biscuit Company factory, uh, Nabisco, and uh, the birthplace of Oreos. Besides the wealth of concourse-level food vendors and restaurants, a grocery space with Saxelby cheesemongers, yeah. Dixon's Farm stand meets and Houston uh, stands open last year as well. The Food Network is also housed upstairs along with Oxygen and other media companies and lots of offices for Google, which it won't shock you to learn has quietly swallowed enough of the building to become Chelsea Market's largest tenant, hence their interest in purchasing it. Uh, The the company reps wouldn't elaborate on plans for the building, although sources say there's no need to despair about Sarah Bess or the Fairy Fresh Noodles or anything else. Google is expected to keep the status quo on the retail front. Yeah, and it's it's kind of gone through an interesting history of gentrification like mm-hmm. even they're talking about the the older history nabisco and like that's when it was like manufacturing right yep. it was like on the river and kind of stuff but then in the earlier part like the 70s through the 80s it was like a restaurant supply place like yep. it was a huge place where yeah, you could it get was, meats it was the meatpacking district yeah the so meatpacking district like, exactly stuff going on around there. and then even that was still there so we we kind of knew it when gosh like there might not have been 10 places to get food in there and now it's got the high line that's connected to it, that's got food and the outdoor kind of spots. And I bet you it's got like more like 20 or 30 places for food. They got like food tours in there and shit. Oh. Yeah. That high line's cool though. Mm-hmm. 
if you're ever in the, the area, Chelsea Market, Long Island. Uh, so I, uh, I'm going to play this because it's just too much. The Olympics are a lot and it's super white and we know this, um, <clears throat> but this makes, this the is ridiculous. We to build our own loose track in our backyard. The next day we went to Home Depot and just started buying wood, buying all these supplies. Yeah, we ended up with a loose track in our backyard that had its longest, I think was several hundred feet. Uh, we reached speeds of 30 to 40 miles per hour. So that's kind of where my luge background came from. That's just backyard days. Is your dad kind of an eccentric guy? <laughs> he is. Yes, that, I, that was not his only hammering idea. <laughs> Should be noted that a backyard track is not the only perk of growing up in the West household. His childhood home also features a pool with a waterfall, a hidden cave, and a grass tennis court that can be converted into a skating rink in the winter. Good night. I can't take it. The unique property is now up for sale, so it's a pretty good time to contact your local real estate agent. For real, he's got a free commercial for their property too, by the way. But like, honestly, like, I know it's white and it's ridiculous. And like, when I say inaccessible, like, who has a ski jump? Who fucking goes and has a 90 meter ski jump to like do? Who has a luge track to do? Oh, his dad built him one in the backyard. A hundred fucking feet long. You got a pretty big ass backyard and you just built a luge track. Yeah, that makes sense. And every time the kid went up to luge, he'd be like, started in his backyard built by his dad. Here's, and he's, I can't remember, but it's like a name like, Tyler, Tyler, Trent, Trip, something. But yeah, it's, it, the Olympics have been uber white. And related, I, I, I like curling. That's kind of my thing. And I, I actually enjoy the like chess component to it. Like, you know, there's actually like a little bit of a chess play to it. And there's a new uh, type of curling this year, mixed doubles, which is a two-man team, one man and one woman. And we sent a, a brother-sister combination. And oh, man, have they been terrible. And I, I don't mean to be bad. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, America, this should win or whatever, but it's been poor play. Like, it's not been, I even think, Olympic caliber play. They're giving up points on their hammer. They're, get, they haven't had a triple or a double. They haven't had a multiple point end in like five losses. And like the, the five losses, like there's supposed to be eight ends or eight rounds. Like by the sixth or seventh, like handshake, like, yeah, we're over. <laughs> you guys have more, you like, it's seven to one. It's fucking 10 to three. So it hasn't been really in, enjoyable to watch. I hope the, the next round or even now that the, and it's, I wouldn't say it's, uh, it makes sense, but NBC shows the Americans more than anything else. So I haven't been watched like a lot of other mixed doubles curling, but they actually show the semifinals and finals. So we'll be able to see maybe some better play because mm. the Hamiltons have fucking sucked. There's another brother, sister, uh, on the skating team. Shibutani. Yeah. The, the Shib Shibsibs. And I, I don't know why, but like ice dancing, it's not necessarily like romantic and, and, sexual but it's also like a little bit intimate for brother sister i don't know it seems Sometimes a little... it, yeah it's weird i feel like they should be choreographing the the choreography so it's not quite as like sensual so it's like weird to me but I that's the, that's the dancing that's ice dancing i guess whatever it's weird to me anyways okay um, i don't know maybe it's just my own hang-ups but I'm gonna actually skip that last story. Drew. I can't. Are you fucking? Can you just read the headline? You don't even want to. Is it triggering? That's ridiculous. It's triggering, and I don't really want to. Holy read it. fuck! Yeah, that's real. That headline is, is real. Real. It is real. But let's move on because I didn't really care. I don't really want to talk about it. Put the game clock at 4:20. Smoke weed every day. Weed, right. news. weed news. Weed news. So I haven't read this one, but uh, the and I always say this that um, all this weed legislation, the the green 
revolution, the billion dollar industry that is weed. Um, even in Colorado, when they made weed legal, they increased the number of black youths that were being arrested for it because it's mm-hmm. now like 21 or over thing. Uh, so mayor of Seattle is going to vacate all past misdemeanor pot possession and convictions. Mm-hmm. That's the absolute first, uh, grandfather. Is that the right word? Um, it's not the first. It's the second. Um, oh, actually, really? who was the first San Francisco just did it. Oh, that makes a little bit of sense. And how far back and what do they call a misdemeanor? I say I'd like to see it like all nonviolent felonies. I'd like to see it go even harder. Yeah, uh, let's see. I don't think you're going to get violent felonies off because that's like San Francisco like that, wipes out will wipe out thousands of marijuana convictions dating to 1975. Wow, this okay, just happened uh, January 31st, so literally like two weeks ago. San Francisco will retroactively apply California's new marijuana legalization laws to prior convictions, expunging or reducing misdemeanors and felonies dating to 1975. Nearly 5,000 felony marijuana convictions will be reviewed, recalled, and resentenced, and more than 3,000 misdemeanors that were sentenced prior to um, Prop 64's passage will be dismissed and sealed. Uh, the move will clear people's records of crimes that can be barriers to employment and housing. And um, San Francisco's move could be the beginning of a larger movement to address old pot convictions, though it's still far from clear how many other counties will follow the famously liberal city's lead. So that was what happened. Yeah, so Seattle even said they followed the step a week after San Francisco, and they're vacating um, all misdemeanors about 13 years, 1997. Mm. Uh, they're doing it automatically. It'll just be purged and expunged from your record. Um, and they say they have about five to 600. But it's just the city of Seattle. Yeah, that's just not the, the city. It's not the state of Washington. So that's interesting. Anyways, I, I thought it was interesting to see how people how municipalities are trying to deal with this because it does become kind of and here's the thing it becomes a it, it comes into play a lot of different ways but also in in um in voting and in, in elections absolutely and so i see these two very liberal cities as like wanting to allow more people to vote i, I wouldn't des- I deny that and the you know to be clear Every state in the nation has a disparate arrest record of black versus white individuals, despite all indications that we use drugs, black and white individuals use drugs at the same rate, right? There is no uh, statistical difference between black and white drug usage. However, across the country, 3.8%, 3.8 times, forgive me, black people arrested 3.8 times more than white people. That's the national average. Mm-hmm. State by state, it, it gets like some are just egregious, like 11 or 12 to one, right. you know, and I have to look up what Seattle and, and California are, but I'm sure it's not good, you know, Yeah. if the sure. average is four, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's not just an issue, but it's one definitely that impacts black folk much much heavier. Much heavier. Mm-hmm. So we don't have music, and I don't know what- We don't like, have music yet, but you know if y'all have suggestions, let us know what I'm going to do one first. Hold okay, on. go ahead. Uh, let's see here. Um, maybe. This is this is one option. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Might be too old. It's very white. That's, that's Benny Hill. Yeah, okay. I got Benny Hill. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Or, yeah. Ha! That's good. I'll have to edit it gets shorter. Too long. That's a good one. I don't like 30 seconds. All right, so... But call in and let us know. So the new section, we, we did this last week, State of the Union, that's M, folks, or Onion. Uh-huh. And I haven't read any of these. Yeah, so I'm going to tell you that right. and you tell me. So the first one is... Who gonna pray for me? 
Is that me? That was me. Why don't you ask me? Sorry. That was a little weekend action. Um, terrifying British uh, study shows Trump supporters are now basically unreachable. Uh, what What's unreachable mean? I don't know. That's the headline. Do terrifying want- study mm-hmm. shows that Trump, meaning they're just like, they're so polemically uh, entrenched mm-hmm. in their ideology that they're just like completely gone. Yeah. Uh, that's totally true. I don't, okay. I don't, I don't think, think that's, that's fake so at all. You think that's, that's union. Union. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's, that's so yeah, you are correct about that one. So British researchers from Oxford University have proved definitively that Trump supporters share more junk, quote unquote, political news over twi- Twitter and Facebook than all other groups combined. Combined. Oh, combined. Jesus. An entire media, um, ecosystem exists to perpetuate the lies told by Trump and the GOP outlets that don't meet the most basic standards of journalism, Fox News, Breitbart, a host of other propaganda sites. The net results is a radical government protected by a bubble of insanity maintained by radical media outlets that are only interested in power. Mm-hmm. And eyeballs. Yep. You know, like, 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 I wouldn't say Breitbart and some others, but like I went to school with a kid that started some like Literally, his own like right wing ridiculous fucking news aggregate site, and it's literally like I'm sure he makes money. You know, I haven't like looked at the actual traffic, but he he promotes it on his fucking thing, and I actually unfriended him at some point. But it's it's about eyeballs, and they don't care mm-hmm. if it's like what it does in the long run. They're just making money, and that's all they care. Yeah. About. So the report also concluded that the quote facts reported by far right sites shared by Trump supporters are so detached from reality that it makes dialogue with them completely impossible. Quote, although the junk news sites considered in the analysis included those on both the left and the right lead researcher, Philip Howard said the findings suggest quote, that most of the junk news that people share over social media ends up with Trump's fans, the far right. They're playing with different facts and they think they have the inside scoop on conspiracies. As a result, he said in a phone interview, it appears that, quote, a small chunk of the population isn't able to talk politics or share ideas in a sensible way with the rest of the population. You know, we have a I, 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 I'm polite enough to not oust them, but someone from our former congregation that mm. I have uh, and we were really I, again, we were there for four years. We lived blocks away. We went fucking probably 20 out of 50 Sundays a year, if not more. We this were, bitch been in our uh, house. Yeah, we did a lot of stuff at this community. And this girl, this woman is like a lay leader and shared some stuff that was so outrageous and so offensive about someone I know personally. Right. Like it was just like outlandish and just horrible Islamophobic just awful 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 shit and I called her on it I'm like I know this individual I I literally like have spent time with this person on multiple occasions what you're saying about them is the most ludicrous asinine is right wing it's propaganda it's terrible it's disgusting it's disgusting Mm -hmm. and they were just like nope that's what I believe no it's true because of this you know liberty truth patriot.org news Mm -hmm. and it just there was no talking and other people were like yeah you know, this is crazy. Yeah, Beth Ann. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> this is fucked up. Why yeah, are you saying this terrible. shit? All right, here's the second one for you. Okay. Justice Department office to make legal aid more accessible is quietly closed. Oh, that's true as fuck, too. There's no, <laughs> that's union. That is also union. Uh, of course. Uh, the Justice Department has effectively shuttered an Obama-era office dedicated to making legal aid accessible to all citizens, according to two people familiar with the situation. The, um, Division, the Office for Access to Justice. Now, I just want to say that again out loud. The Office for Access to Justice began as an initiative in 2010 under Eric Holder to increase and improve legal resources for indigent litigants in civil, criminal, and tribal courts. Through 
the head of the office, uh, though the head of the office reports directly to the associate attorney general, never gained much visibility within the Justice Department because it did not oversee a large staff of prosecutors. When Jeff, while Jeff Sessions, Jeff Sessions cannot close the office without notifying Congress, he can sideline it by moving its resources elsewhere. Its offices now sit dark on the third floor of the Justice Department building. The staff of a dozen or so has dwindled and left the department over the last few months, people said. The acting director of the department left this month to start a consulting business, according to her LinkedIn profile. It's like literally like the entire office that's set up to help people fucking like. That's crazy. Yeah. That's why I knew it was so true. Hey, Mm -hmm. um, I think you're. Mouse click is making some sounds. You know how I have your sound coming out differently now? Can you mute your like whole computer sound until you're ready to play stuff? Is that possible? It is muted and it's not my, it's not my mouse click. Oh, there's been like a weird tick every once in a while. Oh, I thought it was coming off of this port from your computer. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll keep it up and see what happens. Okay. All right. Uh, I've got two more for you. One is the second to last one is Donald Trump. Oh, this is actually yours. Donald Trump thinks not clapping for him is treasonous. Yeah, and I know the answer to that. Read the the bit though; it's nuts. So um, forgive me for being ableist. That's Sorry. okay. Uh, uh, President Donald Trump wasn't, and apparently still isn't, happy that Democrats and Congress didn't stand to applaud him in the State of the Union address last week. "Quote: This is from Tupé Fiasco. There were like death, and uh, they were like death and un-American. Un-American. Somebody said treasonous. I mean, yeah, I guess why not? Can we call that treasonous? Why? What can we call that treason? Why not? I mean." They certainly didn't seem to love our country that much. And so this, this stood out in so many ways for me, but it's like just fascist 101. And he literally like, so he's been using the office for his own personal agenda for a long time now. Ever since he got in the, the office, it's like, nope, it's mine. And everything I use to mine, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the Attorney General, they all do my bidding for my personal whatever. And so now saying that not clapping for him is literally treasonous. It's the like most egregious sort of conflation of support for him as a person, as an individual. Uh, conflated with support for the country, right? And we had the same stuff with Bush, right? W, there was the whole, like, if you complained about the war or W or any of these sort of things, like, the little blonde girl on The View would be like, that's an American, get all mad and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is like that on flipping steroids. And he's like, dead ass, like, yeah, why not? Let's call it treasonous. What'll uh, that, let's see what that'll do. It <laughs> sure looked un-American. Really? Not applauding for your fucking dumbass is un-American now? fuck out of here and here's the last one rob porter apologizes for falsifying number of wives he beat on white house resume (laughs) just can't i just can't you know what's also so horrible about this porter shit is that like you didn't get is it that onion or union i I know it's true too it's gotta be because I know he beat two wives and an ex-girlfriend. Nope. This one is Onion. Although no. they were they were taking uh, punches at, at Rob. Yeah. I got it wrong. I thought that was true. Cause he, he That's had, good. That's a two, goal, right? There was two wives. I thought they were all Union. Damn. That was Onion. <laughs> but no, his fucking exit is like, just Trump is so obvious when it comes to sexual harassment. He believes the men unless they're Democrats. It's true. And he said, he tweeted like, it's a shame, you know, really good men's careers are being completely destroyed because of a... Uh, I forget the word he used, but an accusation, you know. Yeah. Really? This is a good man? Career destroyed? Fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. I, show me a man who has had a sexual assault uh, issue who's actually had their career, anything destroyed. None of them has served time that I know of. 
Has anyone had their, like Johnny Depp's career hasn't been destroyed. No, nobody's. Mel Gibson's career hasn't been destroyed. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but it's always these hypothetical, like, imagine, you know, consequences that people are always willing to, like, (laughs) sell folks out over. This dude, this dude will have a job doing something in fucking six months. Not even real. We'll see Matt Lauer in a year. He'll write a book. Just Mm. stop. No one's career has been destroyed for nothing. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. I'm sorry, where are we? Ooh! Uh, this is a uh, pest control is back because I found two stories that were too funny not to share cracking me up. One is a blind bisexual goose stuck in a love triangle with two swans dies at the age of 40. A blind bisexual goose who spent years in a love triangle with two swans raising 68 cygnets has died age 40. Thomas from Wakane. New, in New Zealand, fell in love with a black swan named Henry and went on to spend the next 24 years with him. But no. things got messy when a young female swan named Henrietta swooped in and stole Henry's heart. Thomas quickly became the third wheel, but instead of moving on, he decided to help the new couple raise their 68 signets over the next six years. His complicated relationship made him a local celebrity with many bird watchers, spending hours watching his love life unfold. But his happiness came to an end when Henry died in 2009 and Henrietta flew off with another swan, leaving Thomas all alone. He eventually went on to father his own babies, but they were stolen by another goose named George. Wow. His lover, his Henry was his, Henry was his lover forever. Yes, forever. Thomas was then taken to a Wellington bird rehabilitation as his health deteriorated, as the trust said, um, as well as making other blind bird friends to spend his days with. Thomas helped foster a couple of broods of cygnets along the way. Um, that was for nostalgic reasons. And boy, did he do a good job. He lived for corn in the cob. And if there was, if there wasn't any there when we put him back in his house at night, he was not happy. Um, the organization was looks up to about 400 birds said that, uh, Thomas proved there was life after slight for elderly fowl. You are a true inspiration for the work we do and the things we were able to achieve for our animals and our care. He was such a special boy and a wonderful character. Thomas, our good friend will miss you wholeheartedly, but may you rest in peace. He'll be buried next to Henry at the place oh they gosh. called home following a public ceremony later this month. First, can I just say that Thomas and Henry had a 24 year love uh, it's relationship? That's amazing. It's and then so uh, Henry, came in Henrietta and then she dipped off with another swan when Henry died that's what swans do she got to keep procreating out in these streets and they do they do mate for life yes you know so um that's amazing though this next one is a video y'all for sure have to watch it because a Missouri woman finds her neighbor's dog riding a pony Mm. I'm gonna I gotta play this Mm -hmm. this is crazy a dog riding a one-eyed pony into the night is surely a spectacle that <laughs> needs video proof. A Missouri woman made sure to get just that. The Springfield News leader reports that Callie Schnecker pulled into her driveway Thursday to the side of her neighbor's corgi sitting on her horse cricket. She recorded a 15-second video of the pony trotting away into the darkness as the canine sits atop looking at the camera. Yo, yo, it's a corgi. He's just, he's just, you know how they're like kind of squatting yes, low? he's just He's chilling. just like, boom. Cold chilling. He's on the pony, dude. He's taking it for a ride. Yeah, she posted it That's on, amazing. Uh, on Facebook. I can't make this stuff up. So we pull back into our driveway tonight and this is what we see. This is not our dog, but apparently 
Him and Cricket, the one-eyed pony, are best friends. <laughs> this is not our dog. We haven't trained this. Uh, the Corgi's dog. owners are Mennonites who avoid going online, so they probably won't even see that uh, that, that that the horse has become famous. As a viral video. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. That's in, that's incredible. Yeah. That, that's really incredible. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. So sorry. So uh, you take this one. Uh, wait, I'm taking it? Oh, yeah, that's why I'm taking it. So this is actually a follow-up to the story we covered a couple weeks ago about the old Navy um, that tried to tell the employee that – oh, not employee, the, the the customer – that the jacket he walked in right. wearing that he had stolen it. They, like, made him scan it. Mm-hmm. They fucking, like – in fact, he, he literally had to get to the manager to go back and look at the videotape and watch him walking in. And when they did, the manager didn't even come out to say sorry or nothing. They're just like, nope. okay, you can go. Here is the uh, the post, uh, the apology, so we can rate it. Oh, wait, that's, is that me or that's you? That's you. What the hell is playing? I'll turn you off. Do okay. you, you want to play it? Yet? No, no, I got oh, okay. it. Um, earlier this week, an Old Navy customer, James Conley III, had an unacceptable experience at our Jordan Creek, Iowa store. The situation was a violation of our policies and values, and we apologize to both Mr. Conley and to those we've disappointed. All of our customers deserve to be treated with respect. Following a thorough investigation of the incident, three employees who were involved have been terminated. We take this matter and every conversation around about equality very seriously. Old Navy is committed to ensuring that our stores are an environment where everyone feels welcome. That's their apology. Read the beginning again. Earlier this week, an Old Navy customer, James Conley III, had an unacceptable experience in our Jordan Creek, Iowa store. The situation was a violation of our policies and values, and we apologize to both Mr. Conley and to those we've disappointed. All of our customers deserve to be treated with respect. Following a thorough investigation of the incident, three employees who were involved have been terminated. We take this matter and every conversation around equality very seriously. Old Navy is committed to ensuring that our stores are an environment where everyone feels welcome. So it's the usual lip service, but it's good lip service. Yeah. And they, they took some action. They did fire these people. and uh, But they, they didn't do you know all the points. I'd say it's maybe like a like a two. Yeah, I feel like where they where they missed the mark is they didn't name the actual harm, and they, they didn't they didn't cite racism yeah, as the as yeah, the cause yeah. of why this was done to this individual person, and that's why I can't give it a good. And, and I and I also don't like the like he had an unacceptable experience. Not that this was unacceptable, right? right? It's almost like a, a modern like sorry if you were offended, mm-hmm. and they even did apologize to him and all those that were yeah harmed by this. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that falls. Really short, but I guess it, the firing was good. Maybe I, I, I'll knock it down to like one and a half now. Yeah. But it, it was the right kind of lip service, I guess. I guess. And they never ever do anything about why this per- was able to happen culturally. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's what oh, I mean we, by we they fired even, these three employees. They didn't even name like that it was racism and therefore these are the ways that we're looking to combat similar I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it further. Like, I really don't think this store and these three people and this manager pulled it out of their ass that they should be doing this to black people. Like, I don't think corporate specifically said scan the clothes of black people when they come in, but there was definitely whatever their corporate culture did, it led to this being absolutely okay at the moment. And that's kind of, they never, no one ever addresses that. Like, what in your corporate culture allowed this? Did they have that much freedom and flexibility? Are they, are you that afraid of, uh, loss? Like, literally, like, what, what is it? What led to this? Cause they never mm-hmm. talk about that. 
And you're right, they didn't name the thing specifically. Uh, so uh, this is an apology? I didn't know. I only saw the actor Yeah, there's it. an apology in it. He apologized. So okay. Uh, actor on uh, The Hate You Give. And uh, then I have some else, something else to add to this okay. story. Uh, Kian Lawley has been dropped from the film adaptation of The Hate You Give after a video of him using racial slurs resurfaced, resurfaced online. Because this has been a few years ago and it popped back up. I'm not going to play it. Um, he uses the that epithet. I don't even like saying the N-word anymore because then you might as well say it. But... Uh, this is the comments from the Hate You Give uh, producers. Due to the controversy surrounding his past comments and behavior, Ken Lolly will no longer appear in the Hate You Give. The studio plans to recast the role of Chris and reshoot scenes as needed. A spokesperson from 20 Fox said in a statement, um, after the swift backlash, Lolly issued a vague apology of sorts on social media, which many did not accept. If you don't learn from your mistakes, you are. You can never grow as a person. I've learned a lot and I'm grateful to have the power to change. I never want to be who I was yesterday. We're in a constant battle to become a better version of ourselves. Use your voice as your weapon. What the fuck? That's not even an so, apology. That's, that's not even apology. It's non-apology. That's, that's like trash. negative 50. But that, that's literally, I'm glad I started this conversation. But what happened after the, after he was fired was that his fans um, attacked the author, uh, black no. woman Angie Thomas of The Hate You Give, like horribly, like racist attacks. Like on online her. stuff. And and then people started like criticizing her, even not even just as fans, but people started criticizing her for what this guy had said and done. It was really gross. So um, a bunch of other writers started Angie Thomas Appreciation Day just to celebrate her because it was really trash. Um Here's his new update apology. It's still like a zero. Words have power and can do damage. I own mine. and I am sorry. I respect Fox's decision to recast this role for The Hate You Give as its important story, and it would not be appropriate for me to be involved considering the actions of my past. I understand the impacts, and I have grown and learned since then. From now on, I plan to use my voice for positive change. All of the time, it's like the past, the past, the past, the past. It wasn't 20 years ago, dude. It was like four or five. Like I don't even think it was 2009, maybe, if it was that old, maybe, mm-hmm. but I don't think so. Um, and he's still saying, like, you know, I own mine, and I'm sorry. I've grown from that. Uh, you know, just... Be like, I was terrible and I should never have said it and I'm apologizing. I'll never say it again. It's, how hard is that? Mm. How fucking hard is that? Like, literally, like, that's that, like, oh man, I, I really, I can't believe I said it. It's a horrible thing to say. I'm so, so sorry. I'll never, ever say that word again. But it was such a like, uh, example of, um, you know, when people do, where people do, um, somebody a white person does something and then the person that is held responsible for it is a black person or a man does something really shitty and the person that has to answer for it is their wife or their yeah partner, sure, or, sure or a sure. woman that's connected to them in some way i just think it's really gross I've, I've been seeing it happen in a lot of different areas and it just seems to be like a whole thing yeah it's it's a nuanced blame the victim i guess Caps. I'm just into that. Listen, this one you bought. I don't know if you've heard about this story yet, but it is fucking mind blowing. California police worked with neo Nazis to pursue quote anti racist activist document show. Officers expressed sympathy with white supremacists and sought to help their help to target counter protesters after a violent 2016 rally, according to court documents. California police investigating a violent white nationalist event 
worked with white supremacists as an effort in an effort to identify counter protesters and sought the prosecution of activists with anti-racist beliefs court documents show the records which also showed officers expressing sympathy with white supremacists and trying to protect a neo-nazi organizer's identity were included in court briefings from three anti-fascist activists who were charged with felonies after protesting at a sacramento rally The defendants were urging a judge to dismiss their case and accused California police and prosecutors of a cover up and collusion with the fascists. Defense lawyers said this case at the state capitol offers the latest example of U.S. law enforcement appearing to align with neo-Nazi and white supremacist groups while targeting anti-fascist activists and Donald Trump protesters after violent clashes. Uh, Yvette Falarka said it is shocking and really angering to see the level of collusion and the amount to which the police covered up for the Nazis. Mm-hmm. The people who were victimized by the Nazis were then victimized by the police and the district attorney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I talk with a lot of my friends about race and various things and there's people that don't always get like the larger picture, but they get some sort of things. And I can frequently get someone to see a little bit more on the judicial side. I'm like, listen, there's discretion. You know, every stage of the game, there's discretion. The police have discretion as to what they arrest you for and do to you and how they do it and what they collect and don't collect, i.e. they can drive you home from a DUI or they can arrest you. Police have discretion. Prosecutors got discretion. Are they Mm going to charge you with a violent crime or a felony? Are they going to charge you with this, that? You know, you can tell when someone comes to to court and they've got like a a speeding ticket for 110 miles an hour and that's the only thing. And a black person comes in, that same 100 mile an hour speeding ticket's got like this violation, that violation, this violation, that violation. They throw the whole kind of book at you preferably. That's discretion. Mm -hmm. The judge, what they allow, don't allow. Lots of fucking latitude and discretion. Mm -hmm. Sentencing. Tons of fucking discretion. Yep. They can throw out a jury's fucking decision and make their own as an executive, like judicial in my courtroom. They can do that in certain cases, right? So every fucking step of the way, there's these decisions where you have the opportunity to sort of go one way or the other. And it always favors whiteness and it always harms blackness. And here at the fucking most basic level, the policing, the fucking policing was literally protecting Nazis and, and fascists and whiteness and and literally going after anti-racists. And, yeah. And it's, 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 you say it's mind-boggling, but it's like literally when people say like, well, there's all these decisions. This was the, this was the floor. This yeah. is the base of what like anything comes from this. And they literally were working with fucking the neo-Nazis and, and white supremacists to fucking like identify Antifa and charge them with felonies. Fuck yeah, out of here, literally. Man. So the traditional workers party, the neo-Nazi group that organized the rally, um, in a phone call between Doug McCormick, who is the TWP uh, person that actually filed for the permit, uh, and and um, California uh, police investigator Ayers warned him that police might have to release his name in a response to public records. The officer said he would try to protect McCormick. Quote, wow. I'm going to suggest that we hold that or redact your name or something until this gets resolved, he told McCormick, adding that he didn't know who had requested records of the permit and noting, if I did, I wouldn't tell you. Ayers reports noted that McCormick was armed at the rally with a knife. Their officers write up about an African-American anti-fascist activist included a photo of him at the hospital after the rally and noted that he had been stabbed in the abdomen, chest and hand. Ayers, however, treated the protester like a suspect in the investigation. The prosecutor, the police investigator recommended that the man be charged with 11 offenses, including disturbing the peace, conspiracy, assault, unlawful assembly and wearing a mask to evade police. What did I just say? As evidence, Ayers provided Facebook photos of the man holding up his fist. The officer wrote that the man's, quote, black power salute and his, quote, support for anti-racist activism demonstrated his, quote, intent and motivation to violate the civil rights of the neo-Nazi group. 
Literally. So here's this dude in the hospital bleeding from multiple stab wounds. And instead they charge him with 11 fucking. See, I just said that. That's that prosecutor, the, the judicial and police discretion. This is disgusting. Mm-hmm. It, I told it's you. Disgusting. It's so bad. And it goes all the way up. It the, goes. The I'm DO, not the, even like going the through the whole thing. The FBI, DOJ are wiretapping fucking BLM. The, in New York, the, the police had infiltrated BLM so, uh, closely that they had like phones of uh, cell phone snapshots of actions and shit like they got in it's disgusting yeah disgusting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then i always come back to with baba saying okay who is it that told you that they, they wish they would understand the depths that the state yeah that's a, yeah it was um say cool mm-hmm. and, and just that you know and this is a man that spent 20 plus years in prison, I would say as a political dissident, right? As a, you know, a black liberation, uh, you know, prisoner, uh, by the state. And their commentary is, I wish we had understood more just how much the state was going to go to fuck with us. Mm. And, and that's what I'm talking about. They would collude with neo Nazis and fucking white supremacists. That's how far they go. It's really fuck. How do you fight that? You don't. How do you fucking fight that? Abolition now. Okay, next story. Yeah. Uh, so stunning day of testament includes BPD detective accusing another of murder. So this is also a fallout. We talked about the whole Baltimore, the fucking, Baltimore just the police fallout, department man. fallout. So this is continuing a in, national leader yeah. in, the, in the series of um, uh, trials that they're actually bringing all of this yeah. up out, whether it was the... The now they have to move to fingerprints because they've been stealing yeah, all, yeah, of, yeah. all of these different was, things. Was was we even talk about Woodward, the ousted fucking former police dude that was trying to be like a activist or something, oh, and, yeah. and had all sorts of really fucking ridiculous views on race. Dude. Wasn't he from Baltimore? A former Baltimore yeah, police he's from Baltimore. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He doesn't believe black women exist or something. Fuck that guy. Uh, a day of stunning testimony from former Baltimore police detective Momodu Gandu included a posthumous accusation of corruption against slain officer Sean Souter. Uh-oh. An accusation of murder against detective Jamal Rayam. Gando and Rayam are both facing charges in huge corruption case involving several members of the department. Gando has pleaded guilty to racketeering and distribution of heroin. <laughs> racketeering and distribution... These are the cops, y'all. Uh, in relation to the scandal, Ram has pleaded guilty to federal racketeering charges. On Monday morning, Gondo said that Detective Sean Suter, who was killed on the job in November, was involved in some of the thefts Gondo committed, and a decade ago, without the squad, he was a part of that time. After the midday break Monday, the explosive testimony continued. He testified about an incident involving Detective Jamal Rayam, one of his closest friends on the force, that he believed was murder. In 2009, Rayam shot and killed a man while on duty and was cleared of any wrongdoing. Gondo said Rayam told him about the incident. Fuck it. I just didn't want to chase him. Wow. He allegedly, he alleged Deputy Commissioner Dean Palmer coached Ram about what to say. Palmer told Baltimore Sun, the accusation is not true. I've always taken pride in my ethics and integrity. Uh, the son, he said, was retiring unrelated to the testimony. Oh, he's just retiring unrelated. Yeah. Well, this, this, all, a lot of this sums because the, the police officer in Baltimore that was killed, everyone is, this is the one where they shut down Baltimore and went house to house looking for the person that they had the, all the cadets from the academy yeah. and they locked down this entire yes. block neighborhood. Yes. And then it came out that this dude was about to testify against these mofos the following week. He had, he had, um, turned state's evidence and was going to be testifying against Turns them. Turns out dead. And then he dies. Trash. Oh, fuck. You know, I put- and, I, and I also want to point out that all of these corruption things, these are from years before. So when Freddie Gray too- was killed. When Freddie Gray was killed in Baltimore, this is how corrupt this fucking already was. Baltimore police already were. This is not new shit. Yeah, I'm going to throw an audible in here that, that I saw this morning. Uh, Tennessee law enforcement shot and killed a man during a two-county vehicle chase in April. White County Sheriff Odie Shoup. 
seemed fired up as he recalled his conversations with dispatch. They said, we're ramming the suspect, Shoup told deputy in a body camera footage obtained by CNN. I said, don't ram him, shoot him. Fuck that shit. You're going to tear my car up. After, Shoup said, I love this shit. Gotta tell you what, I thrive on it. Killing a man in a chase. I just can't. So this story is also going to get under your skin. This is out of St. Louis. A white guy held up black men in downtown St. Louis and then had them arrested. Last summer, a pair of brothers were arrested. Let me keep going. Last summer, a pair of brothers were arrested for attacking and robbing a downtown loft dweller early one morning. But six months later, the truth has finally come out, backed up by video surveillance. The brothers, Christopher and Jerry Tate, 25 and 23, were actually the victims. They'd been robbed at gunpoint by 29-year-old Patrick John Owens, who framed them as his attackers after shooting the older brother. The Tates are black. Owens is white. Christopher Tate said, I believe they listened to him because he was white. Police say the surveillance video shows Owen accosting the brothers as they get got out of a pickup truck at 11th and, and Lucas. First, Owens asked for a ride. Then he brandished a gun and demanded their wallets. In the struggle that ensued, Owens allegedly shot Christopher Tate, then lost his gun. The brothers took off running for, with the gun and hid it in a flower pot in an attempt to keep Owens from finding it. Unfortunately for them, the police apparently spotted them hiding the gun, and when Owens claimed the two had attacked him, police were all too willing to believe them. The brothers were arrested, um, and uh, at, with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch report at the time that they'd kicked and punched another man who fought back with his gun. As the paper now details an extra or, in the extraordinary story, it took the brother's mother pushing police to get surveillance video for the truth to come out. My mother kept telling them that there was video all through the area. Court records show, incidentally, that Owens had previously pled guilty to driving under the influence in St. Louis County. He was sentenced to two years probation. Two weeks before the incident where Owens allegedly framed the brothers, courts records show he was again busted for a DUI, this time in Sunset Hills. That case is pending. Owens is now facing charges of attempted robbery, um, attempt uh, armed criminal action and second degree assault, as well as one misdemeanor count of making a false report. Mom apparently gets all the credit for the solve. Man alive, that's fucking. That's the most like we've talked about the like blame black vague black person for crime. Mm-hmm. The white person does yeah. like I've, I've we've covered some outlandish ones. We really have. That might take the cake. But the thing about this is it speaks again to a, a critical flaw in policing, which is that once sure. they believe somebody is guilty, they that's all they look at. They don't they they never will stray and actually look for evidence that, that shows the opposite. And they decided on the spot that this white man was being attacked by these two black kids. Of course he was. Yep. And this was the result of it. And so they weren't. They, why do I need to see a video? I already know what happened. That white guy told. Me. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, too, that, you know, not I know exactly this for a fact. It's not stated here. Two black men that just got beat up and shot and they're running with a gun. No, 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 no. They're going to dump that gun. That's a sure way to get shot and killed on the spot. Black man running with a gun. Fuck no. So you put the gun down. Absolutely. I know people are thinking, well, why did they put the gun down? Because you'd get fucking killed. Mm -hmm. You don't fucking, if you're black, you don't fucking run with a gun. Sure don't. I don't know if that's explicitly part of the talk, but you fucking know. Yeah. Or actually, you don't even pick up a gun. But again, the guy had just shot one of them. So I feel like that this is extraordinary information. Yeah. Why isn't this under white people? Because, wow, that was bad. Bullied in school. I can't wait till I'm a cop so I can bully you. White people. Hey. Hey. Fucking white people. So I don't know if you heard about this, but a woman flushed her emotional support hamster down an airport airport toilet. What? What? Bellin Aldecosea used to have a dwarf hamster that served as her emotional support pet. 
Then she tried to fly Spirit, which would not let her hamster on the plane. Then she claims a sp- then she claimed a Spirit employee told her to flush the rodent down the toilet. Then Aldacosa, for reasons privy only to her, flushed the hamster down the toilet. I, I, I can't even put that on. I'm like so hurt. The story, first reported by the Miami Herald, is the latest chapter in an ongoing war between passengers and airlines that ostensibly exists to serve them. Coming on the heels of the emotional support peacock debacle, it certainly raised eyebrows. But I'm not Alda Kosia, who told the Herald that her hamster, Pebbles, was so loving, it was like she knew I needed somebody. Spirit says they did not tell her what to do any of those things. And whether she got the idea from a spirit employee or somebody else, I what she did was just walk in there and flush the thing down the toilet. I just like one, she's got a support animal. That's like, uh, like that's a very white thing. Two, it's a hamster. Are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. And then she actually fucking like, I don't care if somebody said to do something like, why would you just then go and do that? So very white brothers wrote the 10 whitest things about the woman who flushed her emotional support hamster down the toilet. I think we would appreciate going through all 10. In this segment in particular, like sandwich cake, video games, Mary Kay distributing and trapping, there are levels to this whiteness shit. In Pittsburgh alone, there are at least 26 different grades of whiteness. Um, this is Damon Young who wrote, who wrote this for very, um, smart brothers, including garden variety, Yinzer whiteness, Appalachian Adacian whiteness, well-meaning Patagonia whiteness, Lululemon whiteness, and Ben Roethlisberger. And sometimes, as in the story of Belen Alta Casa, uh, the Florida woman who, when allegedly she was told she couldn't bring her emotional support hamster on a plane, allegedly flushed that hamster down the toilet. The levels of whiteness have conformed to form a whiteness souffle, a whiteness manicotti, a whiteness Thai fried rice. Anyway, there are too many levels, so we'll just name 10 of them. Number one, the fact that she has a support, emotional support animal, because the only emotional support animals black people get are lice and prison bug beds. Two, the fact that her emotional support animal is a fucking hamster. Hamsters are cute and great and all, but there's nothing about a hamster that has ever made me think, I wish that hamster would give me a hug. This must have been a charismatic ass hamster. The Maharasha Ali of hamsters. <laughs> Number three, the fact that she attempted to bring a goddamn rodent on a plane. The bulk of my adult life have been, has been spent intentionally avoiding closed spaces where rodents might be. I never, ever, ever, ever been in a place and thought, you know what this place needs? More rodents. More hamsters. That's right. Number four. More hamsters. Again, the fact that she attempted to bring the goddamn rodent on a plane. I'm so aware of TSA and airport security that I practically fly naked now. My only carry on is a Ziploc bag and she's trying to get goddamn rats through the x-ray machine. Number five, the fact that after being told, no, you cannot bring this rat on a plane with you, you silly motherfucker, she reportedly flushed it down the toilet. Apparently, her rationale was that this was a humane way to get rid of it. But on my list of terrible ways to die, downing, drowning to death in an airport toilet is pretty damn near the top. And why not just let him loosen a Chick-fil-A or something? Of course, he'd probably get caught and killed, but at least he'd die with a full stomach. And if this animal is so important to you, why don't you just leave the airport and catch a goddamn megabus? Number six, the fact that she has a goddamn lawyer which means lawsuit is a possibility number seven the fact that her goddamn lawyer was quoted as saying quote this was a highly stressful situation and people react in a lot of different ways she's only 21 years old and still a kid despite the fact that she's 21 fucking years old which means she's still not a kid she's not a kid still uh number eight the fact that she apparently already has a new hamster one which i'm sure she'll also murder when she's told she's not allowed to co-sign a loan for it Number nine, the fact that someone sold another hamster to an infamous hamster murderer. Niggas go to prison for 50 years for, for stealing real. Snickers ice cream bars. And this known hamster murderer gets help. And number 10, the fact that I know her name is Bellin Alda Cosea, but 
what happened is so white that from now on, I'm just going to call her Kirsten Nielsen. <laughs> that is the whitest like of the white. Like the, I thought the peacock was a lot. Nah. The, the, the thing is that she flushed it. Like you just killed the thing it. that you, you claim you needed it to even get on a plane and now you flush it down a toilet. That's the most horrible. Like I felt bad when our dog like ate a, a, a rodent in the backyard, Literally. you know, like dug up a, like a pest that was fucking her lawn up. I really felt bad. Like, oh, look at his face. And she flushed it on a toilet. Fucking A, man. That's some crazy shit. You know what's also crazy? Is a white couple who sold everything to sell on the world and then lost it in two days. Lord. <laughs> Tanner. It sounds like just Tanner. Tanner. Tanner Broadwell and Nikki with two Ks. Tanner, Nikki Walsh. Tanner, Nikki. And their pug Remy. Don't forget yep. him. And their pug Remy are left with just 90 bucks after the boat capsized off the sea of uh, coast of Florida. So uh, a couple who packed in the rat race to sail around the world for life had their dreams dashed when their boat capsized after just two days at sea. Tanner and Nikki from Colorado sold everything they had to buy the vessel that would be giving them adventure they would never forget. That's you. That is me. turn it off. But it became immemorable for the wrong reasons when their craft tipped over off the coast of Florida when it struck a foreign object. So their sailing acumen was poor and they struck something. Because, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. They lost mm-hmm. everything in just 20 minutes when the houseboat sank along John's Pass near Tampa after the keel had been ripped off from the base of the boat. So you struck something hard and fast. Tanner and Nikki were forced to jump overboard and were left with just 90 bucks to their name as well as their two-year-old pug, Remy. Oh, poor Remy. Yeah. My favorite thing was they said about doing this because they were sick of their jobs. Tanner said, we got so sick of that, tired of that lifestyle of doing things that people make, doing things to make people do the things they don't want to do. Yeah. So they also face uh, having to spend up to $10,000. So they paid five grand for the boat, another five grand to fix it up. And now they got to spend 10 grand to salvage it and get it out because it's like you've just left litter in the waterways, right? Like your boat's like a piece of trash. Mm. And normally your insurance would cover that. But guess what? They don't have none. They don't have, <laughs> they have, no have any insurance. insurance. You sold everything and put it into this boat. You're going to sail around the world and you have no insurance. Two days. Mm. Tanner, Nikki. Should have kept there's, that job. There, there's a couple of nice longer. pictures of the boat, but that's all they got. Or something. <laughs> White people. Yeah, that's pretty unbelievable. So I had a couple of stories related to um, television. And um, the first was, I guess, uh, Natalie Portman. I'm sorry. The two had no sailing experience, but got busy doing the boat on Tuesday. (laughs) Of course, they had no sailing experience. Of course, they don't have no damn sailing experience. Come on. That's obvious. I'm just saying the audacity of whiteness to be like, we're going to give up everything and buy a boat and we know nothing about sailing. And they thought they were going to go around the world. Their plan was to go around the world. They should fucking count their lucky stars they sunk like off the coast. Because honestly, if they were like in the Sea of Magellan, they'd be dead fucking shit. I can't believe it. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. They don't have any experience. I thought at least dude would have been like a sailor or something. Hmm. That's so white. I'm just going to go do this thing I have absolutely zero experience in. I'm going to put my entire life savings and everything I own into doing this thing. I have zero experience and I'm going to be successful. So much so I'm going to go around the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Terrible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go on. Um, So. You're talking about TV. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I, 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 Tanner Nikki. Falling. I couldn't get over them. No, that's just like, we we're talking about another friend of ours that's doing like, it's not this exact same thing, but like the, the end result was like the audacity of whiteness that they're really just going to like, that's the plan. Holy cow. That's the same with these people. Wow. All right. TV. So uh, Natalie Portman was back on Saturday Night Live a couple of weeks ago. And apparently you remember like 12 years ago, she did the, 
that rap, that whole rap. Everybody with uh, Lonely Island or Sandberg? Yeah, or, with yeah. Sandberg or whatever. So apparently she did a Natalie's rap too. I'm going to play it. Okay. You know, I'm just going to start by saying white women rapping might even be past their prime. But Yeah. Why can't goes. I hear it? Oh, I have you off because you were clicking. Go back. I wasn't clicking. It was. It came from your end. Right, I heard things got a little out of control. Yeah, well, I was going through a really weird time then. But you. I've matured a lot. Why don't you fill us in on what this it's like video. to be you? Okay. okay, you bitch. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Portman, 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 Portman. Your husband and his best friend just was Portman. You know what's good, big, 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 big. Put a dude, don't want to switch place, switch place, switch place. Woo, Good burrito. Tide pods on the f- thing I snack on. Blackout and go motherfucking black swan. Bring gone off the f- and now you walk the boy. Tell your tourist parents I'ma turn you to a foster boy. Wow, I gotta say, it seems like you're almost exactly the same, but with current references. Untrue. I'm a mother now. It's really changed my perspective. And do you find it difficult juggling kids in a career? You can juggle these nuts. What? <laughs> I'm the doctor. <laughs> they say I'm sex positive. Hell yeah, I'm positive. That you're going down while I'm bumping my prerogative. Tell me why. Ha, ha, I guess I'm showing my age. Now bend over and spread him because you about to get. Damn. That's not good stuff. Now I have to ask Natalie, have you seen the new Star Wars movies? No. Oh, they're really good. They're much better than. Better than what? said white women rapping is probably past its prime and then i forget who the guy is that was doing the talk in the middle it was parnell in the first one but it's the dude that's the new parnell yeah basically. plays the big baby and yeah does it. yeah mm-hmm. so he says you sound exactly the same but with current references and i think that's accurate mm-hmm. but it also seemed like and you said this up to me like she's kind of biting current style mm-hmm. and so she has in her rap uh times up and a couple other you know i would say like kind of like white feminism data points. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, oh, white feminism, but you're basically, and did she even say money moves? Like she's she kind of, she's um, kind of, she said mommy moves. Yeah. She's kind of like stealing and appropriating shit while she she's is. being all like, Completely. Hey, white feminism. I can't stand it. It's terrible. And it's not a good look in 2018. So that's why I said. It's just way together. past the prime. Like, was, nobody wants to see What that. was the other thing we were talking about that, that somebody did that were like, ooh, that you should not have greenlit that in 2018. Mm-mm. You know, like things are, People are viewing things differently now. Very different. Slightly different lens. So this other thing happened TV-wise. Um, 
Kim Cattrall had posted a Instagram post that said, I don't need your love or support at this tragic time at Sarah Jessica Parker. She said, my mom asked me today, when will that Sarah Jessica Parker, that hypocrite, leave you alone? (gasps) Your continuous reaching out is a painful reminder of how cruel you really were then and now. Let me make this very clear if I haven't already. You are not my family. You are not my friend. So I'm writing to tell you one last time to stop exploiting our tragedy in order to restore your nice girl persona. So the tragedy she's referring to is that her um, brother, Chris, died recently. And Sarah Jessica Parker talked about it at the Pally um, Center screening of uh, her show Divorce on Thursday. Quote, if somebody in your life, whether you're in touch with them or not, is suffering for any reason, it's involuntary that you want to convey condolences or sadness or just let someone know what you're that you're thinking about them. She said, according to Entertainment Tonight, SJP also told Extra, quote, I can't begin to know what her family is managing such a how her family is managing such a loss. We all send our love and condolences and grant her the privacy that she's asked for. Yeah, she's asked for privacy, and you've said on two national news entertainment shows something about it. That's fucking crazy. That's now, that's so that's so bad taste. Yeah, and it, and it and I wouldn't have thought it when if I had just seen those snippets, right? Like I wouldn't have put two and two together. So I'm really glad Kim came out and then even spun it further to give you the like meta detail that like this is all her trying to like restore her image. You know, yeah. Well, you know, it was announced this this fall that there was not going to be a third Sarah Jessica, uh, a third Sex in the City movie, and it kind of um, it was about pay, wasn't it? Well, it depends on who you talk to. Kim was just like not interested in doing it. She had such a horrible experience both on the show and mm. on the two um the two movies with Sarah in particular that she's like, why would I want to put myself with these people? Why would I want to be around them again? I'm not going to do the movie. She's they, still got mannequin money. She don't need They shit. have consistently portrayed her as some sort of like, you know, diva who's person. always demanding yeah. everything. Yeah. Da, 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 da. And it really got me thinking, you know, in the, because what happened after Kim posted this is a whole bunch of people started coming for Kim. Oh, how rude she is. Why, you know, why would she say this publicly like this? This is so inappropriate. Course, it's so unprofessional. It's so this, that, the other. People always tell you how to, how you're supposed to be outraged, right? When, yeah. you, when you're hurt, they always tell you how you're supposed to be. Absolutely. So I tweeted a little bit about it and I said these responses to Kim Cattrall remind me how easily folks uh, are to make someone who has been harmed into a villain for simply refusing to be silent about their pain. This notion that sharing and being open about those who have harmed us and how we have been harmed somehow equates to us being messy or abusive. If we believe that the truth will set us free, then truth tellers can't be constantly under attack for simply speaking on their experiences. If we agree that sunlight is the best disinfectant, then we must stop allowing the truth tellers to be the only ones burned by the light of the truth. That is you saying that? This is my tweet, Twitter thread. Putting conditions on how, um, putting conditions on how, where, and when folks choose to share their, the truth of their pain is a function of white supremacy culture. Allowing, quote, enduring pain in silence, followed by, quote, measured, respectful, reconciliatory messages to be the only acceptable way to tell your truth is trash. Focusing on how, how harm was exposed versus actually addressing those who committed the harm, garbage behavior. To act as if imagined and usually hypothetical slights to those who have inflicted harm is of more importance than allowing a victim to speak their truth is hypocritical, hypocritical at best and damaging at worst. And it is definitely a, a hallmark of white supremacist culture, white fragility to take umbrage with the, the delivery, not the message, right? To, to, in fact, to take umbrage with the delivery so as to be able to completely ignore the message, 
right? Like that's the goal. You don't want to hear the message. So you just fucking bitch about the delivery. And if you're bitching about Cottrell's delivery on Instagram, fucking SJP was on Access Hollywood and fucking Entertainment Tonight or whatever, right? Like, Right, because here's the thing. Had her little comments about Kim not been made public, then yeah, Kim wouldn't have to say anything. But she's out here trying to perpetrate like they're close, like she's so caring and such a loving person. Bitch, keep my name out your mouth. You don't fuck with me. I don't fuck with you. Stop pretending that anything other than that is happening. And if you really cared about me, if you really were trying to be a nice person, you you would have picked up the phone and privately said something to me, not made these public ass statements out here trying to pretend like you're somebody that mm. you're not yeah that was definitely some tea that's been brewing for fucking 10 years <laughs> like if this is how she feels I, I imagine working with Sarah on set for many many years was probably brutal yes definitely um, so our Black Panther um, prep update we watched this week Avengers Age of Ultron Ant-Man and Civil War, my, my favorite. favorite. So good. All three of them were great. All three, I actually did notice some stuff. Obviously, Civil War was much bigger because it's the introduction of Black Panther, um, the character to the Marvel yeah, Cinematic yeah. Universe. So it was a big one for There's that. There's a bunch of little cookies and, and Easter mm-hmm. eggs that I hadn't seen. And I've, I, I, in watching everything, we went all the way back. I definitely have a re, like a renewed vision of Captain America. Like I kind of was like, yeah, it's not that great. And I was like, man, it really was good. They set everything up really well. And I used to really kind of think I hated James Spader as Ultron and Age of Ultron. But then it's like, well, but he's kind of like the genesis of Tony Stark and fucking mm-hmm. Jar- like, like it makes a little bit of sense for him to be a fucking pompous kind of asshole, you know? And I didn't hate that nearly as much on, on more rewatching. I was a hate, but you know, I would say like it, I, both, Age of Ultron and Captain America, the, the first one, improved in my, my general standing of, of Marvel movies. Yes. At the bottom is still Galaxy 2. Absolutely. This other story came up. You know, we saw that horrible the way, shape of water the other day. And a, a dildo maker has finally determined what the shape of water's fish dick looks like. Oh, how'd they do that? So, um... Well, uh, the only real clue we're given by Elisa, the film's protagonist, about how a smooth crotched monster is capable of penetrative sex is a puzzling gesture. She takes her folded hands, open them slowly like a book, suggesting, I don't know, some sort of fishy dick saloon doors. Horrifying. She doesn't divulge anything about the dong specific contours. But thanks to Tumblr user Xenocat Artifacts, a maker of monster inspired sex toys, she doesn't have to. The fish dick implied, but never shown in the shape of water, is now a functional dildo. And I'm looking at it, and okay, it's a silicone dildo, suction cup, maybe inch and a bit in diameter at the base. It's got a flared head, but then it's got like, it's bent and kind of rumbly. Yeah, it's got all these like weird it's things like around it. alien dicked. Uh, the jewel of the Amazon, as it's named, <laughs> appears to be... <laughs> Silicone and glows under UV light. Uh, reviewers on Etsy praise this wonderful mix of textures to explore while reassuring potential buyers that the ridged fins don't feel as harsh as I, they look. I was just going to, I literally someone said they were the texture. I was like, that looked like that wouldn't be good thrusting, but okay. Yeah. Fits um, softer, maybe. Unfortunately, the jewel of the Amazon appears to have sold out of its what? initial production run. We reached out to Xenocat to learn if they'll come back and stock for Oscars. Update. Yes, they got back and said that over a Tumblr message to confirm that the toy will be back in stock before the Oscars, although the supply will be limited to around 20. Faithful 14, get on that. Get on that, y'all. <laughs> on Do your, not send us a dildo. Get on your fish dick dildos. <laughs>
the last thing I wanted to was a bit of a RIP to all of us lusting after Idris Elba, who uh, smittenly uh, got down on one knee and proposed to his beauty queen girlfriend, Sabrina Dowry, um, this weekend at the uh, premiere of his new movie. I guess, uh, is this third? Three's the term? I guess so. He had originally said, uh, initially said he was never going to get married again. But you know, the thing is. Wow, she's young, 29. Yeah, people always assume that getting engaged means you're going to get married. Some people are happy just being engaged. Yeah. So him getting engaged doesn't necessarily mean he's going to come back um, about... Uh, oh, she's beautiful, Sabrina. Yeah, of course, she's a beauty queen, so it doesn't, it's not yeah, surprising. Okay. So anyways, I just thought that was really funny. And, and RIP to all of us lusting after Idris. I mean, I'm still going to lust after him, so... but and There's nothing wrong with marriage multiple times, you know? No, I don't give a shit about that. Marry as many times as you we want never, to. We never... In fact, you, you couldn't name a dude that's been married more than like three or four times. You just, I'm sure there's hundreds and thousands of dudes that have been married tons and tons of times. You just don't know the names. But every time a woman gets married like four or five times, you know who she is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I think that's the end of the show. We're going to talk about uh, Altered Carbon. You didn't watch... Uh, oh, I watched Altered Carbon. I watched the first episode of Altered Carbon. I thought it was a really good, good setup, setup. For, the, for the show. It actually reminds me of Blade Runner. A lot, yeah, a little bit, the, and, like sleeves kind of thing. Yeah, and, uh, and the look of it too is very Blade Runner. Like it's almost like if Blade Runner was made with today's like CGI effects. And I got stuff. you. Um, I'm not watching that Blade Runner 2049 or whatever the fuck. But, um, anyways, it gave me that kind of feel, and also I love mysteries, and this definitely feels one. like one. And I like all the actors, so I think it's going to be good. I'm excited it, to see. It is it. yet another way, 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 way future dystopia utopia whatever you call it this whiter than it is now so white. <laughs> like how is the future whiter Extra than present white. i thought that, that, that I, doesn't I, go I that way the planet was browning or yes something. not to my knowledge but i liked a couple of things that the rich ass people were like appropriately like literally in the clouds distance from folks and yeah. the whole like upload satellite all that shit was just like mm. oh yeah that's exactly what a rich fucker would do exactly what a rich fucker would do mm-hmm. I liked uh, you didn't watch it but I, I I didn't mind Cloverfield Paradox I don't know if people have you seen it online people like loving it or hating it I think some people I think people liked it you watched it yeah I didn't I, I thought it was good I didn't I people were liking I think people like those movies although I do feel like it was like um it was like they liked it but I also feel like people who um <clears throat> people who would already like those movies are ten- tending to like it is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, you know I, liked, I, mean? I like if the first into, one. Yeah, if you're into the whole J.J. Abrams, Cloverfield, right, you know, right. situation, then you'll be into it. it. It definitely had, like, sometimes there's like, you know, like Lost was like, what are you doing? Like the show Lost was just all over the place and kind of like meandering and it just ended up like disappointing. There was definitely a couple things that were like, Superfluous and maybe not necessary or disappointing or whatever for the plot, but I thought it entailed as as a standalone movie was fine and it, it worked pretty good. And then as a uh, part of the trilogy, and I admittedly didn't see the middle one, um, I thought it was really good in that regard too. Mm. You know, like it did. It had a there was a little bit of a surprise in the ending, and there was some. It just was good. I liked it. Yeah, I really did. Mm-hmm. I thought, and I, I was kind of like on oh, Netflix after the Super Bowl. All right, smart. I didn't think the This Is Us that was after the Super Bowl was very good. We haven't talked about because it, it was podcasted last Sunday. But what did you think of the Jack's death episode? We're not spoiler alerting anything. It's been a week, but what did I think about what the Jack's death? episode? I thought it was good. Um, I said I, didn't I talk about this last week? About no, because how- it, we 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 
podcast in the morning and the episode aired oh, that night. Oh, right. I, so, so spoiler alert, if you're not, if you're not caught up, they did a little thing where they went to the future, uh, for the first time on the show or revealed that they were going to the future. And, um, it was, to me, all the previous times that they've gone from time, you know, time period to time period have felt that they serve the story. Organic and, in some way. Yeah, that they serve the story and they were part of them trying to give you a good understanding of of the story that was unfolding in front of you. And this was the first time that it really felt like a gimmick. Oh, you thought it was a shark jump moment. If It felt like they were using this as a gimmick and that their new thing is going to be like, oh, we're going to, because now that we know how Jack dies and that's out of the way, now they need something else for us to be like, well, to how hang did, on. How did yeah. that die? Because now maybe it'll be like Beth is dead in the future and, and something. I don't know. I'm just saying like, if felt very gimmicky and i didn't like it okay i thought that for a show that's just wildly popular anyway i wasn't sure why they gave it that prime spot after the super bowl and then even it didn't turn to be so prime because the game went kind of long and didn't even go to overtime but it was like that show didn't start to like 11 something but so I, I thought it was a little anticlimactic with with jack's death and again i won't spoil it um but i i, I don't know i didn't like the way they handled it specifically and uh I just, I don't know, I didn't think it was an episode that a, a casual viewer after the Super Bowl would watch and say, oh my God, I have to start watching the show, if that makes any sense. And that's kind of what the Super Bowl show should do. Like, you should watch the show after the Super Bowl and be like, oh man, I really have to start watching the show. People are talking about it and that was amazing, I have to watch it. And I don't think that was that. I don't think that would do it. I think it was good for the long-term viewer, because it gave you Jack's death. Like, they've been tantalizing Jack's death for yeah. two up two seasons. Yeah. So it was definitely a carrot for the long-term viewer. I don't think it was one for the casual viewer, which is strange to yeah. give such a prime spot to the show that's already really popular and then to secondarily not make it so that it ropes in when casual more viewers. In. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like someone who hasn't watched is like, you know what? I haven't really, I'm a CBS. I watch NCIS, but I'll, I'll watch this. Yeah. I even think the funeral episode would have been better. Yeah. I thought the car episode they was better. Gave, yeah. The car episode, they gave a lot more. Yeah. Like, Mandy Moore. Oh. Man, oh, listen, Mandy, Mandy Jamaica Ooh. Moore. Mandy Jamaica Moore. Shout out to Nick Jew and Reggie from, uh, what's the T for that, that little Monica for about Mandy Jamaica Moore is coming for her Emmy and all you hoes better be on notice. She coming for it. Yeah, it was that she's coming been really for good. it. She's been really good. She ready. Um, yeah. Uh, I think that's it. Okay. Nothing I think that's else? all. That's it. Yeah. You know, we didn't even like do our own little catch up. You and well, I. the game was the catch up, but did yeah. you have stuff to catch up with the people's about? I, you know, maybe now that we're an hour and a half in, you can my, do my, it. My colleague won't be listening. <laughs> but uh, man, work's been a fucking hump for mm. me, and just like things that that are kind of. Like we're having like hour long meetings multiple times. We're like just there's a level of I don't want to call it micromanagement, but kind of is what it is. Um, that's never been there, and I've been here for like a decade, kind of thing. Um, so that's that's one. And then there's someone that I didn't hire, but I've been um, not told to work with, but I'm now in a position to be working with this individual that that I didn't hire. And oh man, he's a fucking disaster. And it's kind of weird for someone that's like older than me and supposed to be kind of like the expert at this thing. And the, the person's like literally a fucking disaster. Like I almost think he's a drunk. <laughs> like I swear to God, like shit's so bad. I haven't even told you how bad it is, Leslie. Like literally the, the most recent, like we're supposed to have a meeting and it was about some sort of like sales training and the sales training was access to somebody else's videos on sales training oh, and was trying to play the video of said sales training in like a Skype rather than a Zoom room type deal Mm-mm. and was at the office and had a laptop and a computer and a bunch of other things up. And you know how like when a mic and a, and a, and a speaker get that like beep, boop, beep, 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 beep. 
and just goes like forever and ever and ever, like birds chirping and shit. It was just like, oh my fucking God. Like, are you kidding me? This is like, you got like tech issues and stuff. Like, just stop. Oh, it was dreadful. And then like, there was a project we've been doing. I haven't even told you this, Leslie. It's now over two weeks and I, I'm just like, I'm flabbergasted. I literally can't believe it. And like one of the solutions to the project was like, like, like I don't call it nefarious, but it, it was, it was, it was a, a cheap and potentially illegal hack. It was a dirty hack. It was pretty bad. And like sent it to me and I'm just like, nope, I don't like it. <laughs> just like, what are you talking, man? And like, you know what it felt like? And I'll say this person cause he doesn't definitely so, but remember my, my last job, Matt, when I would describe Matt and like all my time talking with Matt and you'd like hear about Matt. And like one day I came home and like Matt cried in my office. I told you that like I made a grown man cry in my office. I can't believe it. Like he burst into tears. And after like almost a year, you finally met Matt and you're like, holy fuck, he's a 50 year old man. <laughs> oh my God. Like you were like totally astounded that like this individual was that inept and was like many, many years my senior. This is kind of the same deal. Like this is supposed to be the expert. Like you want to be my latex salesman? Oh my God. So it's been, it's been an ordeal. I had a couple shouting matches. I don't like doing that, but like, like straight up shouting matches on, on, uh, on business things. One ended with like, let me do my fucking job. Was <laughs> exactly. Wow. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a banner, banner week while you was gone. Banner week indeed. Um, I think that's it then. If I didn't have anything really to catch up with. I'm back, came back from DC. Um, I did get to see Kid Noble, um, who did some photos with me. Uh, Paige pointed out that I basically had a photographer meet me at my hotel to do a photo shoot with me. Why not? Uh, but boss it was, moves. I'm excited. Uh, should have the pictures in a couple of weeks. Um, we had a, we had a little, little fun little mini photo shoot there. I needed some new pics for my website. Also, I needed some pics with my hair shorter because all the ones I have, professional ones, are with my longer hair. So, yeah. Hey, I also got my hair cut. We got to let people know too. We're going to have a podcast next week. Mm-hmm. The 18th. Yep. But then we're going to go dark for a couple of weeks. No, we're only going dark for one week. We're going to have a, we're going to have something in the bag. We're actually, I don't want to say what it is oh, yet, okay. but we're going to have see. one episode in the bag. I know what and you're doing. So now. there'll be one week that we're on vacation, but we'll be back right after. We'll that. have a pre recorded and, yeah. and a, and a, yeah. So vacation. y'all will get two weeks of shows um, over the next three weeks and then we'll be back after that, back yeah. live. We're going to Greece for vacation, and so we won't be podcasting while we're there. <laughs> yeah, my big fat Greek holiday. My big Yay! fat Greek vacation. Big fat Greek something. <laughs> Wait a minute. Where's my... Where is it? Oh, I guess I had to turn everything down. Good night, everybody. <laughs> High five. <laughs>